This podcast is sponsored in part by Benjamin Hart. That's me! And yours truly, Zach Arnold. And by participation from listeners like you. So let's tune in to another episode of IPC. 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 The Intergalactic Peace Coalition Podcast. All the galaxies. All for you. Well, hello there, everybody. It's time once again for another fantastic episode of the IPC podcast coming to you through Zach Arnold Productions. That's right. We are self-produced now and uh, we're broadcasting on a Mixler page that I've used for high school football broadcasting. And uh, unfortunately, now that the football season is over for the team that I cover, um, there's not a whole lot left for this Mixler page to do except host the occasional podcast. So that's what we're going to be doing here tonight on a very random and sporadic episode, but that's just kind of the way our schedules work these days. This is what we're going to officially title the November 2022 episode. We used to be weekly, then we were bi-weekly, and then our schedules changed again, and <laughs> now we're monthly. But nevertheless, we are back for more fun, more awesome discussions, and a review of a recently released movie that we both luckily uh, ended up getting enough time in our crazy schedules to be able to see before we recorded this episode. And by we, I mean I'm not alone. I hope by now you know my name is Zach, just from the timbre of my voice. And uh, you're about to recognize another really familiar voice as he officially joins me on the show for the next 70 minutes or so, hopefully. Please welcome back Mr. Ben Hart. Dude, it's been a little while. How have you been? I have been doing fantastic i hope you've been doing great i hope the audience out there has been doing fantastic um sorry we haven't been able to check in as often as we used to but hey you know we're doing this as much as we humanly can and uh yeah yeah it's uh it just makes the episodes all the more special and tonight is no different we have a really really special episode a lot of a lot of things to talk about uh one a couple things in particular that i'm really excited about a really cool top five and also the movie you were just talking about is uh yeah literally just saw it and i'm very excited to uh get into it yeah i mean this top five that we're doing tonight is one of the most heavily anticipated ones just because people have been clamoring for it on the Facebook group that we're a part of. And if you're not part of that Facebook group, please be sure to go check it out. The intergalactic peace hangout is available on Facebook. And there's about 70 or so of us that are over there that talk about um, IPC episodes, future discussion topics. And this was a top five that was brought up by a couple of different people that really, really, really wanted to see us struggle apparently because we both had a really, really tough time putting this list together. And I'll be honest, the lists that were submitted to us only made me feel more conflicted. So this yeah, is going to yeah. be a very, very interesting top five discussion later on in the episode. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I am. I'm frantically trying to put together my list right this second. And it's hard, guys. It's real hard. <laughs> Some things never change. <laughs> there never. are times. That we have done top five episodes where Ben is literally compiling his five while we're reading other people's five. <laughs> like sometimes we wait until the very last possible. Sometimes second. the best things are done. I work well under pressure, you know. So, uh, or maybe I don't. I don't know. We'll see. 
Well, hopefully our, our icebreaker discussion, our Edna's icebreaker, as we like to call it, because my lovely wife comes up with these topics for us to talk about right off the top of the show. And uh, this one is very appropriate for the uh, particular month that this episode is taking place in. Uh, it's November. We're a couple of weeks out from the American Thanksgiving holiday. All of you uh, north of the border, you've already celebrated it. Um, but it, it's something that's very appropriate for this particular podcast um, specifically because we have a segment of this show that is primarily dedicated to food. And uh, her question in keeping with the Thanksgiving theme asks us simply, what are some of our favorite Thanksgiving side dishes? Not the main course, obviously, like turkey and ham are some of the staples. We're actually having steak with her side of the family this year, which should be really fun. But um, what are some of your favorite side dishes to go with Thanksgiving dinner, Ben? Ooh, um, I'm going to go right off the bat here and say stuffing or or dressing sometimes they call it stuffing sometimes they call it dressing it's just the bread the, the, the bread crumbs and stuff which they call it stuffing the, the doughy it bread used to be it used to be something that you would put in the turkey but now it's just like something they just cook and it's just served along with the turkey um that's always always oh that's good stuff it's good stuff hey you oh. got a carb load on a day like that you know <laughs> i'm like, not watching calories and carbs on thanksgiving no thank you mm-hmm that's a that's a sacred holiday that you'll just recover from it, you know, months down the line if you need to. But, uh, you know, what, what's funny is that's actually been one that my family has been slowly sliding away from because of my mom's food allergies. Mm -hmm. um, it's really hard to find gluten-free and dairy-free stuffing because basically milk and eggs are the binder and stuffing is primarily just breadcrumbs, which is wheat. It's gluten. and so. It's really, really tough to actually find something like that that's um, accommodating to certain dietary restrictions. And so uh, if we do make it, we have to like get the stuff that's like special from Aldi or something like that. And um, it's been it's been tough to find because apparently she's not the only one that has those types of dietary sensitivities anymore. And uh, it makes it it makes it almost like a scavenger hunt trying to find the right dairy sensitive you know food sensitive items but we still end up having a really good dinner we'll have like roasted vegetables that have very little toppings on them just like some salt and some uh some really healthy butter that she imports from ireland and that's about it it's just salt and potatoes uh salt salt and butter on our potatoes and then um one that's a staple for me that unfortunately I haven't figured out how to make it um, uh, sensitive yet. I'm working on it. <laughs> um, green bean casserole. Dude, oh. it is not Thanksgiving for me until I've had green bean casserole. And it's so <laughs> easy to make because it's literally just a couple of cans of green beans, a couple of cans of cream of mushroom or cream of chicken soup, some shredded cheese and onion crisps on top. That's literally all that it is. It's not anything fancy, but for me, that is like one of those that when I stick my fork into it, it lets me know that it's Thanksgiving time. Yeah. Yeah. All classics. She's going to go uh, – my mom is going to go with like a um, 
a yam or a sweet potato. But personally, I find those a little too sweet sometimes. I, I have a hard time treating that as part of the main dish because it's it's so sweet and so different from the other flavor profiles that it almost feels like I'm having dessert in the middle of dinner. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I get that. And for me, dessert is like a whole separate occasion. I eat the meal and then like two hours later, I dive into the pies. You know? <laughs> but, but also, but also, you know, I like the old saying, you know, life's short. Eat dessert first. Ah, uh, that is true. That is true. There are there are certain people uh, amongst my family and even some on certain portions of the Internet that actually make the claim that pumpkin pie is one of the best dishes you could have around Thanksgiving time. You want to know why? Because mm. pumpkin is a vegetable. It uses eggs as a binder, which is healthy for you. And um, what was the other thing? I think it's I think there's some sort of a there's some sort of a protein involved. Like it like I guess the eggs have the protein or something like that, but it's like my 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 family members are all like it is it's portable, it's healthy, it's got vegetables and a protein in it. Like there are, there are some really hardcore people out there that are making the claim that you you could have pumpkin pie as a straight up meal if you do it right and i'm not sure where i land on that on that either i'm kind of on the fence about that because it tastes so good and most of the time something that tastes that good can't be that good for you yeah (laughs) oh god yeah i get you there um this is actually a really good transition for us because we we promised our listeners on the previous episode that because we had to cut things short we were short on time what have you um, we promised that we would bring back that fan favorite segment towards the top of the program. So I'm going to go ahead and bring that in because we're talking about Ooh. side dishes. We're talking about food already. I'm just going to go ahead and bring us into uh, our our very meaty portion of the discussion that usually happens on the tail end. But we're going to flip things up a little bit. So if you're tuning in live, I see we have one live listener. I think I know who it is. And if you're tuning in on all your podcatchers, then go ahead and use it on social media because it's time for another time of hashtag BBQ Watch. Barbecue. 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 Barbecue sauce. Barbecue sauce. Barbecue. 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 Barbecue, barbecue, barbecue. Watch. So here's my barbecue related question for you, Ben. And it falls Mm -hmm. in line with um, with this Thanksgiving related topic as well. You you have been in the barbecue industry pretty much your whole life yes pretty much yeah since i was i since i was about five so basically the whole time (laughs) basically basically so you you would probably be able to answer this this question a little bit better than i could um 
have you noticed an uptick in barbecue orders or or purchases around the Thanksgiving holiday? Or does it kind of decline as people try to have more traditional foods around that week? I think it's a busier time for us. Um, I couldn't tell you based on my memory over the years, like if it's gone up and down. Um, I know I know for a fact that July 4th is our busiest day. That is that is that is the Super Bowl and everything wrapped up into one. That is the one day we're all hands on deck, the busiest day of the year. Um, the second busiest day of the year is Mother's Day because ah. people don't want to make their moms go cook in the kitchen. So let's let's order out. Um, so I don't know what the third busiest day is. Um, I know, generally speaking, we are closed the entire <laughs> year week of Thanksgiving. I um, mean, I think we will be this time this year, too. Um, and I recommend it, honestly. Um, I know everyone's Black Friday and everything like, no, nah, just close up. Just close up. Walmart is even closing up now. Walmart's like, screw it. We're tired of this Black Friday crap. We're going to close. So, like... It's becoming uh, it's coming old hat to be open on uh, on thir- on Thanksgiving week so uh, or even the Friday so uh, yeah I, I I don't know I think we do get quite a few orders I know holidays there's always people having holiday parties and stuff like that so I'm sure there's an uptick um, I'm curious I would be curious to you know if we have records of like if it's been busier in the past or um, you know is slower now. Um, but yeah, things are crazy. It's really hard to say because everything's out of whack nowadays, as as you know, with the economy as it is. Yeah, yeah. There's there's just generic fluctuations for sure. Um, I really hadn't considered. I, I'm sure we've had that conversation before, but for whatever reason, I I hadn't considered Mother's Day as one of those busier days. But it makes complete and total sense when you yeah, when you, it's, put, it, when you put it that way. Yeah, it's not one you think of offhand, but you're like, yeah, okay, that that does make perfect sense. Um, whereas, you know, I guess maybe maybe Father's Day, b- the moms are cooking for the dads. I don't know. I'm assuming, but you know, it's uh, it's definitely one of the busiers for us. It may not be that true for everyone, but uh, definitely for us. So uh, let me let me ask you a follow up question. Then I, I know mm-hmm. you said that. Um, you guys are generally closed during that week, and, and rightfully so. If you've got it within your means to not have to work during that week, then I I fully support that. Um, but if if you were the consumer, I suppose, like let's mm-hmm. let's switch the roles a little bit. You're not you're not working for Rob's Barbecue. You're now ordering from them. Mm-hmm. What as a consumer would you order? from rob's barbecue to put on your official family reunion type thanksgiving dinner table well it's funny you ask this because generally speaking in the past many many times before we will be the provider of the the that at least part of the thanksgiving meal or the family reunion meal or whatever else we have a family function um, I'm not gonna say he's expected of us, but we will generally. My dad's like, we're gonna bring something. Um, he'll he'll go out of his way to bring something. Sure. Um, and usually it's you know it's it's pork roast, 
Um, and then you can just kind of shred that off. And, you know, we usually put the sauce on it. We mix it all up for our sandwiches. But generally speaking, I like it better. I like it better dry. I like it. I like our meat, even though we don't serve it that way. I like it better when it's dry, served dry. Um, and it's really good like that just right off the bone is great. We've had that. Um, he'll cook special stuff just for us that aren't on the menu, like chicken breasts and 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 pork tenderloin and uh and of course ribs and stuff like that too kind of a smorgasbord of stuff um but yeah that's kind of been and our barbecue is kind of a staple at the heart family christmas parties usually yeah that would make sense it, it's the one time out of the year that i wish i was related to you guys no i'm <laughs> I'm, I'm well, hey, look, I'm just going to say you 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 can come over next time. I'm not sure when exactly we're having the next uh, dinner, but uh, you're invited. Well, your family. I know it's a bit of a drive. I know it's a bit of a drive. Your family excels at hospitality, though. I will say that because the, the one time we did show up about a year ago it was about 11 months ago, if you can believe that. That's insane. That does. That's that's not true. That cannot be true. <laughs> It was it was December of of last year and it's already middle November. So yeah, What's you and I last I cannot believe out. that. You and I last hung out eleven months ago. That's just insane. That's just ridiculous. But we showed up super late. Like I think it was after ten o'clock, eleven o'clock, something like that. Like we showed up super late and you guys were still there. And the word smorgasbord that you used is completely appropriate. So as a consumer, as somebody who has consumed Rob's barbecue on the side, I am very, very much in favor of the ribs. We we snacked on that extra rack of ribs that y'all gave us um, that it lasted for like another two or three days for us. We we were munching on that the entire time we were at the Airbnb in Florida. So <laughs> and uh, see, that's the thing. When you come around Rob's barbecue, you uh if you come around late, especially, um, you will get loaded up on the leftovers because it's yeah. not it's not super common that we sell out of literally everything. Mm -hmm. So uh, usually we have something left over and we're just trying to look for uh, some mouths to feed. So uh, yeah, y'all y'all we loaded y'all up because and y'all did us a favor that night because uh, you, you got rid of some of the food that we we didn't have to uh, cart around to other places. Oh man, it, it was extremely mutually beneficial i will i will say that much i think we had another whole meal out of it um either the next day or the day after that because we still had potato salad we still had a whole bunch of ribs and chicken we still had i think some coleslaw that you sent with us or something like that like we had we had at least two sides and two meats and so we got to basically have a whole other meal out of it and so yeah if y'all are in the, the Gulf Coast area, it doesn't matter if you're in Alabama or Mississippi, Louisiana, whatever, it is worth the drive, okay? Uh, I'm, I'm not doing this because you Venmoed me something on the side. I'm saying it because this is a product I genuinely believe in. No I, side influence. I, I, would, I, would love, I would love to spend a, a holiday eating your family's food, and so maybe I just need to travel during the holidays one year so that I can make a point to do that. <laughs> would love it man stop making me hungry late at night i know i know let's go ahead and get into one of our next discussion topics that was a really fun barbecue watch happy thanksgiving in advance to everybody by the way um 
Ben, if I haven't said it before, I am sure I have, but I'll say it again. Uh, you are one of the things slash people that I'm thankful for because I have have grown so much thanks to this podcast and thanks to your patience putting up with my crap, um, trying to get better at this craft. And I would dare say that after uh, 350-some-odd episodes, um, this show is definitely better off than it was back in the first couple episodes. Well, I'm glad you were able to put my thoughts into words because I feel the same way. Um, and yeah, this, this, I've said it before and I, I'll say it a thousand times. This show has been, and your, um, your partnership, kinship, whatever your friendship, your partnership, however you want to say it, um, in this show has been, uh, so, so such a blessing to me. Um, and it's helped me in so many different ways, and uh, I'm I'm just glad we're continuing to do it, and we keep going. We're we're finding ways. We're finding ways, as uh, Jeff Goldblum likes to say, life uh, finds a way. Um, there is actually one person live in the chat right now, and it's uh it's it's Jesse B, and he said, "What up, guys?" and and he said it was referring to. Uh, 11 months ago, he says, I remember the episode. You've got a great memory, dude, because I do not have that great of a memory. And then he said it was well worth the drive, did it himself while he was traveling around one time recently. I asked him what his favorite dish from Rob's was, and he hasn't gotten back to me yet, but hopefully he will very, very soon so that we can let Jesse be a part of the show. That's one of the cool things about doing a show that's at random hours of the day or night is whoever does happen to be tuning in at that time actually inadvertently becomes a part of the episode, even if they're not on the air with us. So uh, thanks for being a part of our late night shenaniganisms, Jesse. We've got a great show for you. I'll, I'll give you that. Uh, you picked yeah, a real oh, yeah. talking about Thanksgiving sides and, and now this barbecue. And now we get to jump into um, some really random discussions uh in uh, what it's one of my personal f uh favorite segments that we do on this new structure uh it's simply called what are you watching and you watching? so ben be thinking about what are you watching right now because there's a lot of stuff that is probably on our watch list that is maybe stuff that we haven't each of us watched but maybe this is the time to give like a personal recommendation but jesse did finally get back to us in the chats and he says it was one of their sausages i don't recall which one i think it was pineapple if i remember properly yep yeah, that's a thing sausage it's a pineapple sausage um you haven't mentioned it to you because it would it's it's like your kryptonite i'm assuming <laughs> that would literally like kill me <laughs> i as soon as we started selling that i'm like oh man Zach's good. That, this is not up Zach's alley at all. This is the opposite. <laughs> if you want to assassinate me, just stuff pineapple in a sausage link. That's how you do it right there. <laughs> but it's it, I mean, it sounds weird, but it's it's popular. A lot of people like it and we sell it all the time. Crazy. That's that's not something I would have considered putting in there like that. To me, that's like pineapple on pizza type of discussion. Like, should you have it in sausage? Like I, I I don't know. Yeah, I'm surprised it hasn't started some kind of notes, controversy. But she may she may have to try it for herself the next time we're out that way. Yeah. As he says, it was so good. I'm sorry you can't experience the flavor. And then he repeats himself. It was so good. 
So I guess it was so good. I'm 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 glad that that you enjoyed it, Jesse. But yeah, it would literally kill me. Um, but yeah. So what are we watching? Um, Ben, you you talked last episode about a a particular Disney Plus program that you are obviously constantly reviewing on other programs that you're participating in. I am here to say that I have officially begun my binge. I watched the first three episodes of Andor with my buddy Mondo, and I watched episode four tonight. So I know I'm behind, but I am like finally getting into the groove and starting to understand what all the hype has been about and i'm enjoying it so far it's it's really well written and even though there are kind of lulls in the action the story building and the world building is fantastic and so i'm looking forward to seeing what else it it provides yeah i it's yeah it's an incredible series it only gets better from what you've seen um and my only the only bad part about you watching it now is i know you've been spoiled probably on a couple big things that are coming um that you would otherwise been shocked by um a couple there's uh, there's some cameos there's some actors that uh, you don't expect um there's some stuff coming but you know even if you know going in you're still going to be blown away by just the performances and the writing and the yes when the action comes it is incredible I think I understand. I, I think I know which uh, which actor you're referring to. And yes, I, I have been spoiled to that, and I have been spoiled to a little bit of the writing. What I have not been spoiled to, though, is like context of the the quotes and stuff that I've been reading. I've seen a couple of memes, I've read a couple of quotes, but I don't understand like the context of where it's coming from. So I've been able to avoid it like just enough to be able to anticipate what's ahead without knowing exactly what's going to happen to everybody yet. So right. I'm, I, and I'm, kind of, I'm kind of in that sweet spot for now, but I know I need to get caught up so that I don't get spoiled for like the season finale, which is coming up in a week or two. We got the two part finale, I guess two part finale. There's, they're kind of built in arcs. We have the episode coming out tonight as a recording um is the penultimate episode and we have the finale coming up now so you, you gotta hurry up hurry up and uh ah. things um because there's gonna be a lot more people watching this because they just announced that it's gonna be uh playing on abc and freeform and they're gonna be blasting and or out everywhere possible so hey. over the thanksgiving weekend it's gonna be everywhere i gotta i gotta make mention of this though and this is something that our buddy mondo said as well I saw the announcement you're speaking of. Mm-hmm. And I saw that it's about the first two episodes of the show. Right. I fell asleep during episode two. <laughs> yeah, that is a low point. <laughs> it is mind numbingly dull because of all of the nothing that is happening in episode two. Something, I... really, something really cool and intriguing happens in episode one. And then you're kind of seeing the aftermath of it in episode two, but the aftermath doesn't have any kind of a real legitimate payoff to it. The, the episode payoff two, episode two just ends. Like it's just like you get to a certain point, it just freaking ends. You're like, wait, stops. what? It just cut the credits? What happened? It just stops. And I don't <laughs> feel like that's appropriate for network television. 
I don't think two episodes is enough to get you hooked. I think you need to have the third episode exposed to the masses. If you're going to do the, anything, I think those three episodes play well together. And it's yeah. like, you know, one big episode front, the third, second episode is kind of shorter. So you can kind of breeze right through it, get to the third episode where all the stuff happens. Um, yeah. And literally things start blowing up and it's, and it's really interesting. It has something for everyone versus, you know, it's just. You know, there's there's an almost sex scene. Um, I mean, that's kind of spicy, but other than that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then the third episode, they say the S word. I know. I well, know the, the first, first one in Star Wars. Ever. So, like, if you – I guess that's why it can't air on network television. But, I mean – I mean, like, we can cut it out. It's not a consequential scene. It's just like the guy goes – he just he just reacting. But I, I feel like it is important, though. It's it's a pivotal moment in a franchise, kind of like when Tilly said the F word in Star Trek Discovery. You know, like like that was a really big deal because Star Trek had been so clean up until that point, And then you you actually let somebody loose and say a, a word that's kind of like top tier, not OK words to say like that. That sergeant has basically made history. Yeah. So I don't know. I'm I'm enjoying what I've seen. I just saw Mon Mothma and yeah. the and the part that she's playing in all of this uh, looks like it could be really intriguing. So, yeah, I'm I'm watching that and I really haven't been watching a whole lot of other TV. I'm getting caught up on a comedy series called The Neighborhood. But mm-hmm. um, other than that, that's about all I've been watching. I've been doing like Office and Parks and Rec reruns, but um as far as like stuff that i'm staying current on it's not as much as it has been in the past it's basically just andor and the neighborhood that's all i'm currently watching yeah i really haven't been watching that much either besides andor um and this this last episode i was like i can watch something new or i can rewatch the episode again and i did <laughs> so <laughs> so uh yeah it's 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 good it's the episode that you're on. I really, really enjoyed Aldani. Um, and then there's another kind of slow episode, but I still think it's good. And then, oh, my God, episode six. Um, you'll get there. You'll get there. I, I'm I'm working on it. I'm working on it. But um, I will say and I, and I don't you don't you don't have to tell me one way or the other. But I will say that I'm kind of not a fan of the arrow style flashbacks that they've done so far. Like, oh, uh, like, like the like, OK, so you're talking specifically in the third episode where it's been, um, I mean, it's, been, it's been all of them. Like when you're when you're when you're jumping back to like Cassian's childhood and then jumping back to reality. OK, like, that's literally um the whole show that no, no, that's literally like the only time it happens except for um episode there's episode seven. There is one flashback, but that's it. Okay. So there's so if you didn't like that, don't worry. the The next three episodes are none of that. Well, it's all know. it's all there, and it's all it's jumping around to a bunch of different characters because in episode four, kind of the the scope of the show kind of explodes, and you're kind of all oh, you're seeing what what Dedra's doing and what Luthen's doing and what Mon Mothma's doing. And they're kind of going all over the place and it keeps doing that every few episodes is like just expanding out and um, seeing what, what everyone's doing. Um, and it's not always connected to Andor. Sometimes it is, sometimes it isn't, 
and you're just like, where, how does this connect all together? And then it kind of makes sense later on. Um, but there isn't a lot of flashbacks. Well, I guess I could live with it then. Cause I was really worried that like we were going to watch his childhood all the way up until the point where we get caught up with the present day. And I was like, ah, shoot, I can't do that again. <laughs> like, that's no, one, that's one of the reasons I stopped watching the arrow. You know, I only made it through about four or five seasons of the arrow before I gave up on it. So like, I'm not I'm not going to be doing that for the duration of the Andor series. Now, they're pretty much done with this childhood after episode three. They kind of put put a put a put a pin in that. OK, well, I, I guess I can live with that. Uh, well, I'm, I'm really I'm really curious to see. Uh, see you watch the rest of the episodes and hear your thoughts. And, yeah, well, once you're caught up, we'll have an episode devoted to that. Yeah, yeah, we can do a, a bonus episode or we can do a, a special review episode that's a little bit shorter or something, maybe. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely I definitely want to give full thoughts on it. Maybe maybe I just hop on one of the other 20 podcasts you're a part of really quickly and just <laughs> give my thoughts over there so you don't have to keep repeating yourself. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll have to we'll have to work on something. We'll have to definitely uh, see what we can do there. Because I I do I I am sure I'm going to have thoughts one way or another just based on what I've seen and and what uh, what I've seen online. So yeah, is you you said you said Andor was pretty much the only current thing you were watching. Is there anything that you're doing a rewatch of, like I did with The Office and Parks and Rec? See, I you know months ago I had a good rewatch going. I was rewatching Daredevil. Um, I was watching. Um, I, I was. I need still need to get caught up in Superman and Lois. Um, and I just fall off the wagon, unfortunately. Um, so I need to get back to those. Um, because yeah, it's just there's so many so much new stuff, and you know it's hard to. Sometimes I barely have enough time to watch the new episode of Andor, or have to talk about it right. on a podcast. So uh, right. yeah, it's it's a bit it can be a bit overwhelming, but. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of stuff that I've got. You know, I look in my uh, uh, Disney the Disney Plus downloads, and there's also like eight things I need to watch. Yeah. yeah. That I still think because they have all the the making of documentaries mm-hmm. of uh they just released one for Director by Night for the, the for the uh Werewolf by Night documentary thing. Oh um, yeah. Looking forward to that. Um and yeah, and they had one for She Hulk too. So yeah, I'm I'm I need to I need I need like a whole day. I know I'm never gonna get it. I need a whole day just to sit down and watch everything. Is one day off. Yeah, I wish that would happen. <laughs> I, I will say, though, um, I've recently been made aware of a uh, TV show on the Paramount Plus family. Um, it's called Yellowstone, I believe. Yes. I have heard really good things about Yellowstone. I've heard great things about it, yeah. And I just recently learned that they are shooting an episode of Yellowstone in a town about 30 minutes away from where I live. Really? Yeah. I mean, it makes sense. Texas, I get that. Yeah, it, it's kind of a prairie lands type of place like Wyoming is supposed to be. And apparently the town they're filming in, it's called Venus, Texas. It's mm. about 30 to 40 minutes uh, drive away from where I live. They are reconfiguring the town and putting like new facelifts and facades and stuff on it in order to shoot an episode um, in the town square of Venus. So there's going to be like the town hall in the center and like all the shops and stuff making the square around it and stuff. 
And the only thing that the mayor would disclose in the press release is that there's going to be a crowd and like 500 citizens of Venus have signed up to be extras on the show already. And and it'll involve some sort of like a like a platform. So I think there might be some sort of like a political gambit going on, some sort of politician making the rounds in some small town in Wyoming. And yeah, they're they're filming it in Texas. So I've got a little personal investment in watching the new season of that show. But if I'm going to do that, I've also got to watch fear the walking dead because they shot like an entire season of the show in Texas. And I just, I don't know if I can get around to, to doing that. I don't know if I can bring myself to watch that or not. So yeah, we'll see. I feel you. I feel you. But uh, yeah, Yellowstone is becoming like a huge franchise. They've got a, they've got a prequel. They got a prequel coming out that they just released images from it's got harrison ford and helen mirren starring in it just oh, wow. insane well there's another reason to watch it i gotta watch the original so i can watch the harrison ford spinoff jeez <laughs> and i like there's so many shows these days like you gotta watch this the one he's like i can't even watch the star wars show much less anything else i've been wanting to watch westworld you know like yeah. i love the premise now of i can West- get caught up on it now it's been canceled <laughs> Yeah, right. Um, what was what was the other one? Oh, I just finished um, House of the Dragon, so I, oh, yeah, I, I yeah, go back yeah. and rewatch Game of Thrones, I guess, while I'm waiting for the new season of that. So, like, yeah, I, now that House of the Dragon's over, pretty much the only current stuff I'm watching is Andor. So, gonna get caught up on that just in time for that season to be over, and then I don't know what the heck I'm gonna watch. Yeah, I feel you there. Okay, but outside of television. There is one other thing that the both of us got around got around to watching. Oh yeah. And it's a it's a pretty it's a pretty big one. It's a pretty important one. And um I'm really really glad that we we both happened to get around to seeing it around the same time cuz I didn't know if I was going to get a chance to watch it over the weekend. Mm-hmm. And and luckily my wife and I are both AMC A-list subscribers. And so we both realized that our Sunday evening was free and we're like, yeah, let's use our A-list and go watch that. So we did. And it started kind of late because it was a 730 screening, which means the movie didn't really start till eight. And it's like two plus hours. So we didn't even get home till like almost 11 that night. And yeah, I was like, man, I got to work tomorrow. (laughs) But it was it was totally totally worth it because this this movie was really really well crafted it was well shot it was well acted i have very very few critiques about this film i will say as far as its connectivity to the rest of the franchise i may have some questions but the film itself was really really good yeah, and uh, what you're referring to in the movie that I just saw today, literally can a just, few can, hours can ago. I, can I just can I just mention the fact that I never watch a movie and talk about it in the same day on a podcast? That never happens unless I'm in the room with you and we've flown somewhere <laughs> to watch a Star Wars movie together. Yep. Okay, that never happens. That's the only time that ever happens. Yep. Um, but I actually went out because I was off today. Didn't have work. And got to go out, and uh, in the morning, first thing in the morning, went to saw Black Panther Wakanda Forever. 
very much looking forward to this one, uh, especially since that trailer, that first trailer dropped. Like, man, it was so powerful. And um, yeah, I really enjoyed it too. I, I I don't have any complaints. Like, obviously, I've just seen it. Like, I haven't really had a chance to really truly process it all. But it's really good. They did a great job with it. As someone who was so shaken by the death of Chadwick Boseman, as we both were, as everyone was, and going into this going, like, how could they possibly make something out of this? How could they possibly make this work? Because it's like you're you're making a movie without its star. How do you do that? And I will confirm – they did it brilliantly, and they did it so well, and it's so emotional, and it's so heartfelt. And you know, without spoiling anything, Letitia Wright is an all-star in this movie. She does wonderful things. Um, they managed to make a star out of her, and she takes the lead and does so much with the character um, and turns really – a character that was really just comic relief in the first movie um to someone who is very emotional just gives a stellar performance and uh everyone in this movie is fantastic it's so it's you know this performance i think is some of the best we've seen in the mcu and it, it pushes the story forward but also leaves a lot of questions there's a lot of characters that are in limbo it's not it doesn't tie up everything with a blood bow it's you know it's the end of phase three i think or phase four or wherever we're at um, but there's a lot of characters that are like, I don't know where this is going to go. And it's, 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 it's kind of just ends it, even though it's three hours and two hours and 40 minutes, <laughs> it still doesn't wrap up everything. And, um, so I'm very curious to see where things go in the future, but, uh, yeah. And, and if you haven't seen it yet, there is a mid credit scene, which you should definitely stick around for. Do not miss it. Um, but there is no post credit scene. So there you go. No post credit scene. There's 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 nothing at the end of the credits. That's what I've been told. I did not stick around to confirm that, but I was told. IGN told me. <laughs> IGN said it. Okay. Well, I'm glad we didn't waste our time then, because we stuck around for the mid credit scene, and then I was like, you know what? If there is a post credit scene, I'll probably find it online the way I found the Black Adam post credit scene. Like, <laughs> I, I'm I'm sure I'm not gonna miss much, and it was already really late. I was like, I just want to go home, right. and so I'm glad I did that, because I would have been sticking around looking at. You know, Billy Bob Bradley's credit going up on the screen for, you know, whatever reason that I had, you know, no vested interest in in seeing their name on the on the screen, except for the fact that once their name got past the screen, I got to see something else. Right. Um, here's here's the thing that I found really, really compelling that I found really, really moving. The fact that Marvel did not try to monetize off of Chadwick Boseman's likeness. Yeah. Everything that they did with this movie was something meant to honor him. It was meant to honor his name, his legacy, his portrayal. They didn't recast. They didn't CGI him into the show. They didn't make him be the character on the ancestral plane like right. they they wrote everything around his departure rather than trying to incorporate his his likeness and use the voice synthesizer like they did for Darth Vader right. uh in Kenobi like they did everything they could to be respectful of 
him as an actor and as a character. And it started with the Marvel Studios opening credits sequence, where instead of showing clips from all the different Marvel movies, it was all snippets of Chadwick Boseman in a purple hue. Brilliant. So good. Like, that's not a spoiler, okay? That's not a spoiler to the movie. First five minutes. First five minutes. It's within the first five minutes of, of the film. And it was just, there was no music. There, there was there was nothing but just seeing the clips and the whole place was silent. We were all just in awe. And I'm sure a few people were tearing up like. It's just it's it's something that you don't expect, but you completely respect the decision making process behind that. Like, I am sure that was heavily, heavily discussed behind the scenes. And even something like that and his mural during the funeral, like we see that in the trailer, like all of those types of things were what they did to incorporate him into the movie rather than try to incorporate a digitized version of him like like, you know, a certain Ghostbusters movie recently did. Right. I was I was going to say, you know, it's like they've shown their capabilities and their. I don't want to say shamelessness because I think a lot of those were done with the family's approval and stuff like that. But it was kind of like this, like we have to bring this character back. We do this. We got to bring Carrie Fisher back. We got to bring Peter Cushing back. We got to bring, you know, all these guys back and, you know, and do it in a way. And it's a wink and a nod. And and it's amazing what they've done. Like I'm not the biggest fan of Rise of Skywalker, but what they do with Leia in Rise of Skywalker is nothing short of incredible. Um, but you know, and was it the right thing to do? I don't know. All I know is there's nothing like that in this movie. It is addressed. They think as you see in the trailer, T'Challa has died in the movie. He is gone and you don't see him. There's no CGI trickery or anything. There's not even body doubles or anything like that. I don't see him, but, and it's not dwelled upon either. It's not like this. It's not like the whole movie is this in memoriam segment for him. It's not the whole care. All the characters are sad throughout the whole movie because they've lost. It addresses it. It says, here's what happened. We're sad now. We move on and we're doing the story. And it's a through line in the story that his absence is a massive problem, but it's not dwelled upon. And it is obviously you know, there's there's some surprises towards the end that uh, wink at the future of, you know, what what may become and what his legacy will be. But I appreciated that. I think they did it marvelously as someone who was as someone. I don't want to get into too much details because this thing and I'm going to try to save this for a later discussion after we've had time to process the movie. But I was a big proponent of just, hey, why not just recast him? Why not just Go forward, and I feel like this is what Chadwick Boseman would want to do. Like, give another actor a chance. Keep this character who means so much to people uh, a second chance. Let's keep going. Let's not let you know this terrible thing stop you from telling a great story. But the way they handled it here, I'm willing to say I was completely wrong. 100%. I wow. was wrong. I I 100% take back everything. That I said about that, and they did it brilliantly here, and I'm I'm very excited for what the, what the future holds. Well, what's interesting is is there are very very few times, uh, maybe not few. I I I, th- I would say there's 
several, but not like egregious amounts. But there are times where you can tell the plot of the story was already there and was already in the works to be centered around Chadwick Boseman's Black Panther. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, you can tell that there are there are certain story elements that you you think T'Challa was supposed to face rather than some of these other characters was were supposed to face. But the way that they adjusted the storyline and made it kind of about how Wakanda is vulnerable without their Black Panther to guard them now. Exactly. Like, it it changed the dynamic, but in a positive way. Made you think about, oh, wow, what would America be like if Captain America and Iron Man were gone? Well, guess what? Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, this isn't just a superhero. This is a symbol of their culture. You know, like this is a huge part of of their identity as Wakandans. And, and further, further addresses the problem that happened in the first movie, which is they're opening Wakanda the rest of the world. Now they've been on the center stage. Now they were they were they've helped in saving the world a couple of times. Um, what does that mean? And also, the Black Panther is gone. So, what wh- what is the thing that usually happens <laughs> with world powers when yeah. uh, you have new weapons, new technology on the scene? Um, yeah, they want that stuff. And uh, there is this fear, and there's general thing of Wakanda has all this power, is the most powerful nation in the world, and they are unprotected. They cannot protect themselves. What does that mean? And how do they? How do people react? How do they react? Um, and how it plays out really is really cool. I really need to give a special credit to Angela Bassett. Oh, she's so good. Her role as Queen Ramonda, some of the scenes that she brings to the table in this movie are just award worthy. The emotion that she evokes, um, I'm not going to spoil anything, but there, there's a there's a circumstance that befalls Shuri in the movie. And think about it from Ramonda's perspective. Her husband died in civil war. Her son just died of an illness. And now there's something happening to her daughter in the trailer. You, you hear something to the equivalent of my entire family is gone. Yeah. Like the and it, in the trailer, it didn't make a whole lot of sense to me. But you watch the movie, and it makes total sense. The emotion that she evokes, and the emotion that Letitia Wright evokes, that Winston Duke, Lupita Nyong'o, um, who who was it? Um, Danai Gurira, I believe is how you yeah. pronounce Okoye. All of these actors just. They have a personal attachment to Chadwick Boseman. And so they are completely method acting in this entire movie, feeding off of the very real emotions that they're experiencing from losing Chadwick Boseman. You get the feeling that there's several scenes in this movie. There's there's no acting happening. It's just uh, the camera's rolling. Yeah. The, it's it's very very raw and emotional, and that's one of the things that I that I truly enjoy about this movie, is it it may not have 
the best action sequences. It may not have the best like connectivity to the MCU, but the emotion is what drives this film. It really, really helps you evoke and understand the emotional connection that these actors had to Bozeman and the connection that Wakanda has to the Panther. It's just, it's seamlessly and flawlessly edited into the film just by the way that these performances are, are brought to the table. It's, it's amazing. Yeah. And, and like, this is not a action heavy movie it really isn't. It's two hours and 40 minutes, one of the longest in the MCU. And, you know, it's, it's got some good action, but it's not wall to wall action. It's, it's a slow burn for a lot of it, but you're invested in it and uh, it's incredible. And uh, yeah, if you haven't already seen it, go, go out and see it. I would love to have a more in-depth discussion about it at some point when we've had all 10 chance to process it. Yeah. Yeah. It's still less than a week released or a full, maybe it's just over a week released at this point. So um trying to keep it as spoiler free as we can and our friend steven schinder gave a very in-depth review over at steven schinder storytelling on facebook um giving similar thoughts about the slow burn and how maybe some things could have been trimmed and some things took a little too long and i get that um but i i truly appreciate the the honor that they gave to bozeman and the way that they were able to continue the story in his absence a lot of people may have scrapped the entire project and started from scratch i feel like they took components of the the story that they wanted to have chadwick boseman's panther face and just incorporated it into his loss and that is a very very tough thing to do yeah and uh just because we we do have a whole nother discussion topic we need to get to pretty quick but all i want to say here is that uh nemor is freaking awesome uh, uh, all the supporting characters, Ironheart is great. Um, there's a lot of different elements in this movie that, uh, it sets up obviously for the future of the MCU, but just in this movie alone, they are really, really good that really compelling. And it manages to juggle a lot of things and make them all work. Yeah. Tanakh Huerta as Namor doesn't steal the show, but he does play a terrific anti-hero. One of the best villains in the MCU, I think. I don't think I can call him a villain, though. You're right. I mean, but that's the best villains. The villains, you're like, eh, he's he's got a point. He he does. And and like basically all he's trying to do is defend his people, defend his village. And he's doing what he thinks is best for his people. I, I, I have a hard time classifying that type of person as a villain. So, like, I, I'm really, really trying hard not to use that actual word. Because I, I don't feel like that's what he was doing. I don't think he had ill intentions behind his actions. And I think the finale kind of showcases, you know, some some really great things about Letitia Wright's um, portrayal of, of Shuri, for one thing. Right. And the um, the 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 mm, trying hard not to spoil it. Um, I think the decisions that were made in the final sequences of this movie are very telling about the future of Namor's character. And yes, he does have a future. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's very telling about the types of decisions 
that Shuri makes as a lead character as opposed to a supporting character. I yeah, totally. Yeah, it's it's it sets things up for something very, very interesting mm-hmm. in the future. Yes. In regards to all the characters, all the players and even some smaller players, which I don't mention because uh, maybe maybe you remember them being in the movie, maybe you don't. But uh, there's one one, there's a couple people in particular. They're like, "What's going on with them?" I didn't expect that person to show up, and I didn't expect him to have such a big role. And now he's in a weird place where he's gonna go. Um, yeah, there's a lot of stuff going on that I'm very very curious to see where it goes. And a very unlikely former marriage. That I was. I not, did not see that coming at all. <laughs> I, I did not expect that. When uh, she said that thing about how they were married, I'm like, what the? What is going on? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was that was very surprising. And so yeah, it does incorporate into the MCU a little bit because I I had forgotten that she was basically going to become Ironheart when you when you did the name drop. Like I I kind of. That that kind of fell off my radar a little bit. But, yeah, you've got some Ironheart components. You've got that power couple. You've got um, Shuri and, and Namor's character arcs uh, developing. So there there are some some pretty important things that happen in this movie that I guess make it worthy of concluding phase four of the MCU. But I'm definitely intrigued by uh, the start of phase five. If, uh, if I had to pick right now, I would say that Quantumania is in my top five most anticipated movies of next year as of right now. Yeah, because it really feels like, despite what people say on the internet, I think phase, phase four has been great. And it hasn't been because like, oh, it's this big bombastic, you know, I think it's like, no, it's an intermediate phase. It's it's setting up stuff. It's it's doing a lot of stuff. It's kind of been a slow burn. You've they've been doing so many different things, and it's not doesn't have the climax of an Endgame or an Infinity War. It's about oh we're leading up to that. Now we're now we've entered into kind of we're entering the home stretch, and now I'm sure Quantum Media special sets of features Kang <laughs> is gonna be kind of like oh boy here we go. This is this is. This is the big stuff we're we're heading into the Kang Dynasty and all that. I hope so. I I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing what comes next, especially since the Daredevil series should be part of the next phase. Ooh. Yes. Oh, there's definitely a lot to look forward to. But overall, I think in spite of the pacing concerns that I may have, and in spite of the connectivity concerns I may have, I still think Wakanda Forever is somewhere in the eight to eight point five range for me on initial impressions. I would, I think, I would agree. Eight point five sounds good. Not my, not a, not one of my favorites up near the top, but definitely better than a lot of them. Better than you know, because I, I was, I'm not sure how to rank it against the original Black Panther because I recently rewatched that one. I'm like, okay, this one's good. I, I had kind of mixed opinions with that one at first. Now I've rewatched it. I'm like, okay, this is great. Um, this is a good companion piece to that one, and uh, you know, it's it's a, it's a, one of the better sequels. It is. It really is. Um, so this movie touched on the departure of of Chadwick Boseman, and I don't mean to be a Debbie Downer, but there there is one more passing that has transpired recently that yes. I just don't feel like it's appropriate to not bring this up, even if it's just for a couple of minutes. Um, 
for a lot of people, this was their Batman. The, you know, it's not Christian Bale, and maybe they were too young for uh, Adam West or even Michael Keaton. Uh, this this was the the Batman character that they grew up listening to and and sharing adventures with and getting more exposition of the story. Um, the news broke within the last week or so that uh, Kevin Conroy passed away, and he has been such an influential part of the Batman lore for so many decades. Like going all the way back to the animated series, and then I think he was part of Batman Beyond, and then he was in The Killing Joke. He did some of the Arkham video games. Like he has been voicing the the Dark Knight for over 20, 30 years, I think. And to to leave to for for him to to leave is is a void that simply cannot be filled. It's it's remarkable, like how many voice actors out there. And I say this with the utmost respect for voice acting community and all the people in it. Like this isn't a diss on on voice actors, but it's just an incredible achievement that a voice actor can come in. Kevin Conroy did play Batman once in live action, but that was like one cameo in one TV episode. For the rest of the time, he just did the voice. How many voice actors can snap up and and be like the definitive Batman and, you know, be alongside and people can say, oh, my favorite Batman is Kevin Conroy ahead of Christian Bale and Michael Keaton and all yeah. the other ones. And, yeah. you know, how many others and how many voice actors have played a character that much? For so long, for such a long period of time, there's so many roles. Literally the only person, the only other person I could think of off the top of my head that has played a character more, maybe, is Anthony Daniels as C-3PO. Like Anthony Daniels has been playing C-3PO for 45 years and will literally do anything. Like I've been playing Lego Star Wars and he's voice, his voice is all over that game. Like he's the only other person I can think of that's comparable to someone like Kevin Conroy who just kept coming back and was a powerhouse who embodied that character and, you know, just played him in everything from the TV shows, obviously, to the ga- the movies and the games. And and like I said, live even one live action performance, which is which was really great. I think it was underrated. Um, yeah, it's it's things. And he was so young, you know, 66 years old. You know, I know you may be a teenager out there going like, that's old. No, and you get to be my age. You get to be our age. Um, 60 is not that old. He was so young. And, uh, yeah, it's so sad to hear his passing and the, the outpouring of support and the people that have been sharing everyone from, you know, Mark Hamill, you know, who was obviously one of his biggest co-stars mm-hmm. um, down to everyone. Just heartbreaking. There, there, there was never anybody that had anything disparaging to say about the way he carried that mantle. And I think that's really telling, because just this morning I was reading an article um, about some of William Shatner's co-stars on the original Star Trek. <laughs> and people like George Takei are still super bitter over events that transpired back on the, you know, events of that TV show that trans that, that, so that recorded three seasons back in the sixties, you know, like, right. 
it's really, really hard to think that somebody 60 years ago is still upset over something that happened, you know, way, way, way back when. Um, but I don't think there was any kind of that that feuding. I don't think there was ever that kind of of lack of harmony that went on when you were in a recording session with Kevin Conroy. Everybody has always talked about how gracious he was and how kind he was. And even fans that met him at Comic-Con, you know, talked about how much poise he he carried himself with and how much he embraced being Batman. Like, it was truly the role of a lifetime for him. And it, it is such an incredible legacy that that he is leaving and it makes you wonder what they're going to do or 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 how they're going to find a way to move forward like in black panther we we see how they try to move forward but with the new video games that come out and any animated productions that they're going to try to do moving forward like it's going to be really hard to recast the batman from kevin conroy I think he may have enough material that you could try and do the voice stitching, mm-hmm. but I, I, I like his family would have to sign off on it and stuff, obviously. But what's so weird is in this industry, usually if you have conflict with your contracts or whatever, it's like, okay, fine. We'll just find someone who sounds just like you and we'll recast you. I don't know if they're going to be willing to do that out of respect for the legacy that he leaves behind. I really think there's a void when it comes to Batman voice work and it may have to come from somebody who was an original Batman. They may have to hire Michael Keaton or somebody for the time being, because I don't think they can recast a voice actor who, who, you know, left such a, a huge impact on the industry. Yeah he's he's at the he's at the bar extremely high in regards to batman voice acting and he's for so many people he's always going to be the batman you know he's some people for some people he is he is the guy he will always be that guy and uh his legacy will endure forever oh you know, it, it's really sad when a good chunk of our podcast has to be about the dearly departed. Because, yeah, you're right. Dang. Because, like, we had to say goodbye to um, Hagrid not too long ago uh, uh, also. Gosh, yeah, you're right. And I don't know if we gave him a proper tribute. Um, I, I don't believe we did. Genuinely one of my favorite Harry Potter characters, full stop. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, who was it? Robbie Coltrane was the yep. the actor who played Hagrid. And then earlier this year, we um, we lost somebody who we we thought was going to outlive us all in Betty White. You know, so like 2022 has not been a very kind. And the Queen. Uh, yeah. Another person that we we thought would just live forever, and here we are. Yeah. Um, it's a it's a it's a harsh reality of uh, of mortality, and uh, even the best of us um can't live forever, and uh, we miss them. So, be thankful for your loved ones this holiday season, because 
you're not you're not guaranteed time with any of them for sure. Not at all. But for the next little bit of time that we've got, we're going to dive into this extremely heavily debated and very um, didactic. I don't even know if that's the word for it. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's hard. Gonna... I will say off the top, this one was hard to kind of put into words because I kind of I threw a couple different wordings of it of the uh, the promo image of you uh, to you. Um trying to figure out what the best way to describe this was because um you know it's 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 something different we're kind of thinking outside the box and doing something trying to avoid what we've done in the past which is franchises mm-hmm. and all kinds of franchise movies we've done favorite star wars film favorite marvel film you know all this kind of stuff you know if you, we've done the first one we ever did was you know top five movies you never say no to and i think franchises were all over everyone's list naturally because we love franchises don't let anybody on the internet tell you that franchises whatever no franchises are the bedrock on which all movies and tv shows are built upon and they're great but Mm -hmm. we're trying to think outside the box here so we came up with and you guys probably remember this from you know a couple months ago when we actually announced this was what are your top five standalone non-franchise films? Put in the standalone part in there just to just to frame this properly. We don't want your Star Wars, your Harry Potter, your Indiana Jones, your Marvel, nothing. I I even pushed myself further. I was like, if it's had a sequel, if it's had a reboot, I'm yep. not picking it. I'm yep. not picking it. I'm I'm going completely outside of everything we've known before and i put some examples into because i had to do some research and if you you will see in the uh the promo image there's some examples in there there's pulp fiction there's django and change there's inception forrest gump titanic groundhog day the martian mrs doubtfire that's a few examples of things if you're listening in the chat uh you can throw a list in there i don't think anybody's actually listening right now live but uh if you if you are throw a list and we actually got a few really good lists um and i yes within the last hour have got my list so i've been revising my list off and on partially due to the list that other people have been sending in but also partially due to some of the comments that we've gotten over at the intergalactic peace hangout and on my personal page Joey Mays, one of our uh, longtime supporters and even a financial contributor to this program, um, said this made me realize how much I love franchises and larger stories slash lore. And that is uh, completely, completely true. And then um, Robin Glader commented in the Intergalactic Peace Hangout, and this was actually something that caused me to change my list. Um <laughs> says, I noticed you have Django Unchained in this picture. I almost included it on my list, but I decided to disqualify it because it is sort of an unofficial reboot to the movie Django of 1966. That being said, I I understand the reasoning behind calling it a non-franchise film. I already have a Tarantino on my list, though, so I'm going to leave it off. Great film, though. 
because because how do you how do you quantify this? You know, is Pixar all the Pixar movies part of a franchise, even though technically speaking, they're all, you know, standalone films. Uh, we tend to think of franchises in certain ways, and sometimes it's not. Movies, that kind of stuff. Those those all have sequels and and prequels and stuff. Right. Uh, Brave and the Good Dinosaur and Coco. I guess those are all, you know, technically standalones. But you're right; they're part of a franchise. So I didn't do. I don't think I did any Disney movies. I don't think I did any Pixar movies. I didn't do any. Um, standalone movies from a franchise like here's the one that really pissed me off okay (laughs) one that really pissed me off was when steven schinder said a couple of weeks ago that i couldn't put v for vendetta in my list because a it's based on a graphic novel and b it's from dc it's produced by dc which is part of a quote-unquote franchise like those those two little technicalities you're going to see V for Vendetta on people's list, but it's not going to be on mine because I want to try to follow the rules. But damn it, did I want to put V for Vendetta on my list so badly. <laughs> and I was trying to encourage you. I'm like, I don't know if I agree with Shinder. I don't know if I agree with that. I found other stuff, and, I, and I've got good reasons behind my other stuff. But Django was one that was in my five as of today, and then I took it off when I saw Robin's comment. And then V for Vendetta would probably be my number one or two if I was allowed to put it in there. Because, like, I have that list of top five movies I'll never say no to. Those are the ones that I will enjoy any time, day or night. But then I also have this separate list that is top five best movies I've ever seen. And V for Vendetta is definitely one of the top five best movies I've ever seen. Now... That could be a comment on how few great pieces of classic film that I've seen. I don't know. But personally speaking, I love V for Vendetta. It's just not one that I'm going to watch every single day, you know? Right. Yeah, I get so, you. So with that, let's get into everybody else's top fives, run through them so that we can get to our top fives because it's already almost midnight and we've been talking for an hour 15 and I'm just getting tired. My voice is giving out. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, so you want me to start off with uh, Joey Mays because he he is a he's a patron of ours. We always always start with the patrons. He is. Um, and I should top billing. So it would go um, Joey and Matthias if I if I'm seeing this correctly. OK, I will I will go in that order. Then I'll jump back up to the top. I'm just reading all the things because I didn't have time for show notes today. OK, just going to yeah, go with it. We're just looking right. on Facebook.com slash group slash IPC podcast slash post slash one, five, three, three, five, nine, nine, seven, five, blah, 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 whatever. Like, I'm just I'm just reading <laughs> off of the URL tonight. Um. OK, so first of all, Joey sends a gif of uh, uh, good old Ted Lasso going, oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. <laughs> Um, and then uh, he says uh, honorable mentions to The Truman Show, Elf, The Other Guys, Armageddon, and Elvis. Uh, and he goes into number five, The Greatest Showman. Number four, The King's Speech. Number three, Twister. We've talked to Joey about Twister. He's a big fan, uh, which I'm surprised it's so high. Um, he says, guess this counts for now, but it's getting a sequel supposedly soon. <laughs> You're right. I forgot about that. Um, number two, Saving Private Ryan. And number one, Apollo 13. Those are all really great movies. I've heard really, really great things about the King's Speech. Um, I've I've heard really good things about Apollo 13. Fun fact: 
well, not a fun fact. This is probably an appalling fact for some people. I'm probably going to get slammed for this on social media after people start hearing this. Um, I have never seen Saving Private Ryan. Okay. All right. Finally, finally, I can, I can, I can uh, sit in the in the in the corner of shame with you because I have not seen it either. Yeah, come sit next to me, buddy, because that that is that is one that for some reason I have just never gotten around to. I've never gotten around to the Godfather trilogy either. I've got it sitting on my movie shelf, and I've just never gotten around to it. So there there's stuff out there that are considered classics that I just I haven't found my way to. And you're gonna hear Saving Private Ryan multiple times, um, and it's deservedly up there in the in that list. Mm-hmm. I mean, the the cast alone is star studded. Incredible. It's it's just it's not something I've ever gotten around to. So it will not show up in my five. But I bet you that if I did watch it, it probably would end up in my five. You know what I mean? I'm gonna I'm gonna have to watch because some some of my five um spoiler alert i have watched recently um oh um, so the past, possibly, past within the past couple of years possibly um, so some very, recency bias in there or something maybe no i think i think i'm pretty level-headed about this and uh but you know there are movies i've heard about for a very long time um that uh i'm like okay i get it i get why people like this movie um i will say um i'll do you one better and say that none of joey's five i have seen <laughs> oh my I think I've seen part of Twister, like way back when, but it's been a while. I have seen Greatest Showman, I think, and and parts of the King's Speech. That's that's about it. Again, I've heard great things about all of them, but uh, one of these days, one of these days. One of these. Get done with Andor. I'll start on the. I'll start binging movies. Okay, get off my back. Yeah, I've heard that promise for the last eight years, and. (sighs) Yeah, you wouldn't know that, wouldn't you? Can't fool you. Uh, um, do you want me to read off Matthias's? Give your give your voice a break. Uh, if you're willing, it would help. Yes. Absolutely, absolutely. I'll give you a break because it's, it's a bit lengthy and it's also a really good one. Um, so I'm looking forward to reading it. So uh, Matthias says, honorable mention, Annihilation, one of the weirdest sci-fi movies I have ever seen. A mind-blowing and thrilling adaption of a very enticing book. Um, Annihilation, another one I've not seen, but it's got Natalie Portman in it, so you know I'm, I'm interested. I'm interested. I have I have seen that one. Okay, all right. Um, uh, he says number five, Shutter Island, a mind-bedding psychological thriller that really threw me for a loop the first time around. A really captivating story with a brilliant cast. Um, number four, Princess Mononoke, a beautifully animated movie with an absurd and captivating story that has interesting symbolic plot points. I've heard a lot of good things about that one. Uh, number three, Groundhog Day, Bill Murray at his funniest and the best American comedy movie ever, but taller. Um, I'm not sure I disagree with that. Um, the story is well thought out within a scenario that I believe many of us would like to live in. Uh, number two, 1917, one of the best filmed movies I've ever seen. Man, creds to both the camera and editing team because this is one of the most thrilling history movies I've ever seen. Feels so real. Uh, number one, The Prestige, a magical, deep, and mind-blowing movie with some of the greatest twists in any movie with lots of rewatch value. And it has a fantastic cast, Batman versus Wolverine for the win. Uh, and he ends it with uh, Keep Up the Rake Work. Thank you so much, Matthias. That's a great list. It is. Uh, I, have, I have seen Shutter Island, and it really is 
a mind-bending psychological thriller. Leo DiCaprio does a, a great job. DiCaprio that, classic. In in that film, it's it's one of those ones that outside of Titanic, I feel like it really really put him on the map. Obviously, Titanic was what put him on the map in the first place. I think Shutter Island was one of those ones that helped keep him on the map, if that's yeah. a good way of putting it. For sure. So, that's a, that's a great list, Matthias. And then <laughs> Stephen, right underneath that, asked, what time is this airing? And I said, we're shooting for 9 Central, 7 Pacific. We didn't start recording till like, 10.30 Central. So, st- sorry, Stephen. I, I do apologize to everyone. We aren't as uh, prompt with uh, and, or as transparent with the whole um, when we're going live thing. But look, I will promise you that if you are in the uh, in the group, it's it's facebook.com slash group slash IPC podcast. If you're looking for it, um, you will get a notification when we go live. So, uh, yeah, go 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 sign into the group. That'll, that's your sure bet of knowing when, when, when we're live. Okay, so I ended up with four submissions on my personal page. Are you okay oh. if, I, if I if I read those submissions really quick? By all means, and then I can come back to Stevens when you're done with that. Yeah, let's do that. Okay. Um, so one of the first people to comment when I posted on my personal page, surprisingly, is um, the pastor of my church and kind of my mentor. Oh. Uh, was was not expecting him to see that post, let alone contribute towards it. He knows that I do the IPC podcast, but um, I don't think he's ever listened to it. But every now and then he'll surprise us and contribute something. And he's got he's got a really good list. He starts it off with "It's a Wonderful Life," the yeah. Christmas movie. I, I didn't expect a Christmas movie, but then I was like, "Huh, that is a classic." He goes on. He's a huge baseball fan. No surprise. Field of Dreams is on his list. Build it and they will come. Yeah. And then he's got um, Saving Private Ryan, which we've talked about. 310 to Yuma and The Harder They Fall. Wow. So that's a <clears throat> that's a really solid and very diverse list. You know, Christmas, baseball, war. It's just it's all over the place. Um, Francisco, we haven't heard from Francisco Matayana in quite some time, but he still keeps tabs on us and he's still Facebook friends with me. And he sent in a list that includes V for Vendetta. I told you it was going to show up on somebody's list. And <laughs> you know what? I'm glad that somebody said it because I, I couldn't bring myself to say it, but I'm glad that you did Francisco. And then he puts in the movie seven. And I'm going to come back to that. Um, Minority Report, Memoirs of a Geisha, and Ad Astra round out his top five. Very next list, my buddy Sean from Phantom Empire. I do a Game of Thrones podcast with him. He sent in a list that had some similar and then also some familiar names. At the top of his list, he's got Inception. Then he's got Happy Gilmore. And then Mm. guess what? The movie Seven shows back up again. And then he's got Shutter Island. And then he's got Saving Private Ryan. Cool. That is a loaded list of five. Not going to lie. Yeah, that's a stacked. That is a stacked and hard to dispute top five. Personally, I'm not as huge a fan of Inception as I probably should be. I think it's a good movie. I don't know if it's like top five amazing for me personally, but he's the one who introduced me to both Seven and Shutter Island. 
and I have thoroughly enjoyed both of those. So have have you seen or heard of Seven? I feel like I've talked about Seven on this show before. I have heard a lot about Seven, um, but characteristically, I've not seen it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I think that's on brand for you. I don't I don't know if it's something that would mm, tickle tickle your interest. One day, one day I will disappear. You will not have heard, seen or heard from me from like a year. And then I'll come back and I'll be like, hey, guys, I've seen all the movies. <laughs> oh, man. OK, one more list and then I need to take another water break. Um, a friend of the family, uh, their son, Ransom. It's a really cool name. Ransom. That is cool. It feels old school, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Ransom Bussy sends in the list as follows. It starts off with The Thing, and then we go to Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Oh. Then we go to a film called Hush, and then a lot of these are are single word, Nobody. And then the last one rounding out his list is Unforgiven. Yeah. I'm going to be honest. The only one of these I've ever heard of is Hush. That's only because Sean talked about it on one of his podcasts not too long ago, and I listened to his review of it. Right. But, like, aside from that, I barely remember what the thing is, and I'm literally doing a Google search right now. The, for- there's, a, there's a few things. There's a few things, I think. I think there's a remake. I know there's original with Kurt Russell. Um, or maybe I'm thinking of something completely different. I don't know. <laughs> So, You're asking the wrong person. Here's the here's the brief synopsis. It's a romance sci-fi movie from 2004, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. When their relationship turns sour, a couple undergoes a medical procedure to have each other erased from their memories forever. <laughs> That's got uh, Jim Carrey in it. And Kate Winslet, and Kirsten Dunst, and Elijah Wood, and Mark Ruffalo. Damn it, I need to watch this movie. (laughs) Holy smokes, that's a stacked list. Okay, uh, Ransom, I am watching Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind now, thanks to you. Dang. Good list. Really good list. That is a good list. Okay, do you mind returning to the Facebook group while I take a quick drink? Yeah, I got a I got a few lists here. I'm gonna run through them really quick. Uh, first of all, I'm gonna go to my personal page. Uh, give a shout out to our, our good friend uh, Shane McGinnis. Um, he doesn't really give a list, but I'm gonna shout him out anyway because he's a friend. Um, he says a Mystery Men is my favorite standalone comic book movie. It's great and vastly underrated. And a lot of the Miyazaki films are my favorite. I don't know if it qualifies. I know literally nothing about this movie. I watched the trailer for it. And I'm like, okay, I kind of recognize this. It's got like. Ben Stiller and the other actor from Jurassic Park 3, I think. And there's there's a lot of – it's like a big cast. I I don't know what's going on in that movie, but uh, I'm interested. So thanks for the recommendation, Shane. Um, and then we've got a uh, good old Steven Schindler's list. Um, and he says, to make things a tiny bit easier for me, I decided to omit standalone films based on books. Depending on my mood, the numbers on this top five could be interchangeable, but here we go. Oh, don't, don't you pull up uh, in no uh, particular uh, order on me. Don't, don't you, you do dare. It. Don't you do you it. You will set me off. It's a trigger warning for me, all right? Uh, <laughs> um, okay, so 
He's got a good list. I'm already looking at this. He says, number five, The Way Back. This is a nice coming-of-age film. Steve Carell plays against type by being a jerk, telling the son of his girlfriend that he's a 3 out of 10. The protagonist, a teenager named Duncan, starts working at a theme park behind his mom's back, and it is here where we, he gets out of his hell, shell and really figures out who he is and reflects on the BS of what's going on with his mom's boyfriend. Um, that's an interesting movie. I'm, I've looked like I've ever heard of that. Um, and here's another one I've never heard of. Um, number four, Claws. Apart from The Nightmare Before Christmas, this is my favorite Christmas movie. It was such a fun, wholesome, and heartwarming take on the origin of Santa Claus. A wonderful story of friendship with some music that gets me in the feels. Um, I'm interested in that. We're coming up on the holiday season, and we're going to be getting into some holiday movies. So It's on Netflix. I've seen it a couple of times. It is a really, really good movie. J.K. Simmons plays the role of, of Santa Claus. And oh, okay. It, you, you, you had me at J.K. Yeah, and and uh, he it, it's a very different style of animation and a really, really different type of story. I feel like one of the roles was written for David Spade, and then he wasn't available. <laughs> a very uh, very david spade type <laughs> so it's, it's got a very david spade type role and as soon as you watch it like within 10 minutes you'll know what i'm talking about i'm not gonna say what or who but things that have been said in these lists are reminding me of movies and i am frantically reformatting my list as we speak uh -oh. um so uh, it's completely changed the last five minutes so here we go <laughs> Lovely. Um, uh, number three for Steven, it's Say Anything, uh, definitely my favorite romance film. This is the 80s movie with the iconic boombox scene. Oh, okay, yeah, I know this one. Uh, I Can Never Get Tired of Hearing In Your Eyes by Peter Gabriel or All for Love by Nancy Wilson. There's also a nice instrumental stuff in the film that I wish had been released in isolation. John Cusack's character Lloyd Dolber uh, truly is the type of boyfriend one should aspire to be, though, of course, there is conflict by the characters here and there with his girlfriend diane court had to choose between hanging out with him or spending time with her father played by her played by the dad from frazier okay um is he under investigation by the irs so uh, that's interesting uh number two little little newer movie uh book a uh, clever directorial debut by Olivia Wilde, Booksmart feels like a modern version of those 80s coming-of-age movies. One might even compare it to Superbad, but Booksmart is much is aging much better. Amy and Molly are about to graduate high school and have spent all the time studying, but then they find out their classmates who party around are getting in Ivy League schools as well. Feeling that they have squandered their high school life, they try to get to the party before the graduation, and a lot of risks and rule-breaking and self-discovery ensues. This flew under the radar for some, but uh, deserves to be watched. Yeah, yeah. Um, and number one, everything, everywhere, all at once. I think if you know Steven, you knew this was coming. Um I feel confident now saying that this is my favorite 2022 film. No superhero multiverse comes close to touching this particular multiverse, multiverse film. Michelle Yeoh is amazing in this as her character traverses through different realities and navigates through her strange relationship with her daughter. This film is also a nice return for the actor who plays Short Round and Data from The Goonies, who plays Yeoh's 
character's husband. There's a char- There's a scene with rocks and subtitles that made audiences laugh. There's a giant freaking bagel. There is a universe where we have people have hot dogs for fingers, and yet it's hilarious and heartfelt. This is truly a new, unique film that made me feel all the feels, and I admire all the passion and talent that went into this one. Um, yeah, that's I've heard so many freaking good things about everywhere, everything, everywhere, all at once. So I'm, I'm looking forward to catching up on that one soon. And uh, great list, Stephen. That was great. Great as always, and very mm-hmm. in depth. Um, we always appreciate it when Schindler sends in something that that is not just a list, but is also uh, descriptive and and gives uh, a lot of thought behind it as well. So we we get we get a lot of that, which is, I, which is awesome. And we got we got I just realized we got two more lists with Jesse and Robin. You mean run those for those really quick? I can run through them because these aren't uh, these aren't as in depth, and then we can get into our personal fives and call it a night because it's pushing midnight, and my wife's looking at me like, "Are we ever gonna be done?" <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, we're actually night owls, which is both a good thing and a bad thing because yeah. we're supposed to work morning schedules, but uh, you know, being up late isn't very conducive to that. I hope Jesse is still with us. I I I think he is because we're actually showing two listeners, which is a peak for us on this episode. It's so weird. The later into the night we go, the more people we have. It's not that's not okay. Um, Jesse's list. He's got it actually. He says with no reasons given. That's, <laughs> that's different. That's different from no particular order. That's just no reasons given, as opposed to all the reasons from Schinder uh, aforementioned. Um, he's got at number five, he's got Beetlejuice. At number four, he's got Mr. Nobody. At number three, Kung Pao, Enter the Fist. Number two is A Knight's Tale. And number one is Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Nice, nice list. And then rounding out our lists and submissions, Robin Glader um, talked to us a little bit earlier about uh, Django and now Circle Back and rounded out with... Children of the Men at number five, Inglorious Bastards at number four, Air Force One at number three. Get off my plane. The Abyss at number two, and at number one, Inception. Thoughts on either of those two lists before we go to ours, Ben? Um, great lists. I yeah, they're great. I'm to the point, and a lot of great submissions. And I have actually seen some of these movies, so yay. Um, but yeah, okay, we got we got, we got lists. We don't have much time here. Let's jump into it. What is your number five? Well, okay, I actually need to run through a few that didn't make the cut. Oh, I forgot. I got honorable mentions too, so go ahead. The, I, I don't know if I would call the, I, the yeah, I guess they're honorable mentions. <laughs> um, Whatever you say. These were ones that kind of slid in and out of my list and, and eventually slipped out at the last minute. Um couple of ones that aren't necessarily personal favorites, but I feel like are worth mentioning. Um, the Breakfast Club mm-hmm. and The Princess Bride. Those are cult classics for very different reasons that have shaped cinema as we know it in multiple ways. So those are ones that I felt like needed mentioning. A um, couple of oldies. <clears throat> the Cowboys starring John Wayne. It is a a classic coming of age story blended with the Western motif, and it is absolutely amazing. 
great storytelling, and the score was done by John Williams. Oh. And then another um, kind of oldies classic, The Great Escape. I don't know if you've seen this one, but it's set during World War II, and it has a really, really um, iconic theme attached to it. I forget who composed it, but it's about um, one of the, the greatest escape attempts from a from a German Stalag that basically inspired the comedy show Hogan's Heroes. Oh, I don't think I've seen this one, but yeah. It's a really good movie. And then, as I talked about before, Django was actually in my list, and then it just got knocked out due to Robin's technicality mention. And then Seven, I think, was like at my sixth spot for a long time, which is ironic, but I just had a hard time justifying putting it into my five because I've only seen it like once or twice. Um, And then rounding out my honorable mentions, The Book of Eli, another one that is a fantastic film, really, really well done, but I've only seen it once. It left a mark on me, but I couldn't justify putting it in my five because I've only seen it once. Denzel the goat. Mm-hmm. Okay, your honorable mention, sir. Okay, so these are honorable mentions, aka my honorary number six, seven, eight, nine. <laughs> um, so uh, I'll, I'll go with number nine is Rain Man. Uh, probably career best performances for uh Tom Cruise and uh and. Dustin Hoffman, um, great movie that I've seen multiple times. Uh, Paper Moon at number eight, which is a movie that I don't hear a lot of people talk about. It's one that my parents introduced me to a few months ago. Um, it's got a real life um, father and daughter in this. It's a 1970s movie, but it's it's kind of a throwback to like the 40s. It's all black and white. Really cool movie. Just a really kind of a heartfelt kind of romp kind of movie, and it's just very unexpected. Uh, number seven, Arsenic and Old Lace. Have you ever heard this movie? I have. I've seen it. There, there we go. A, I've... The, the, these ladies that perform mercy killings, and they've got like a cousin or a brother who thinks he's Teddy Roosevelt, right? Bonkers movie. Freaking bonkers. Like literally one of the most insane movies I've ever seen in my life, and I could – like it, it hit my funny bone because I was laughing throughout. It's just insanity. It's got Cary Grant in it. It's got uh, Boris Karloff's in it. Um, and yeah, and it's, it's the, the uncle is like, char- he, like he charges up the stairs every five minutes and the women are just like serial killers are killing people left and right. It's just, it's insanity. Definitely. If you, if you want it like a really, this is from 1944. So if you're looking for something really old and really funny, um, definitely check this one out. Hey, hey um, I've, I've got something for you. Mm-hmm. I've got a movie that's even older than that still to talk about. Oh, I, I have. I have another I have another Cary Grant movie on my list. All Just right. Say that. All right. It's going to say that we might be matching up tonight. Who knows? Who knows? We'll see. Um, number six for me is The Majestic. You heard of this one? I don't believe so. It is a kind of weird kind of off brand uh, Jim Carrey movie where he's very it's not Jim Carrey at all. He's very serious. Very dramatic, but really heartfelt movie. Like I've seen it a couple times, and it's very good. It's about a guy who come. It's like during something in the forties after the World War II, and Jim Carrey plays this guy who's working in the Hollywood business. He kind of gets thrown out of Hollywood, 
gets in a car crash, loses his memory, goes back to a town. The town adopts him as this guy who they think has come back from the dead as a soldier that died in the war. Um, and it's, the whole movie is about him realizing that he's not the guy, but also maybe he is. And it really kind of messes with your head, but also really, really poignant. Um, but yeah, that's my honorable mentions. All right. Into our actual five we go. Um, I actually got inspired by um, Stephen, who put It's a Wonderful Life in his list. And it made me think, you know, outside of maybe the Santa Claus movies, there's not a whole lot of Christmas films that have sequels or they're part of a franchise. And one such holiday film that my family has made a tradition out of watching every Thanksgiving night um, the way we kick off the holiday season is with our first Christmas movie of the year. And it's right after Thanksgiving dinner. We'll come home if we are out with family members or after they leave, we you know, whip out a box of DVDs. It's got all of our holiday collections in it. And the very first thing we watch is a little 2003 film starring Will Ferrell called Elf. There you go. Elf is just it's heartwarming. It's hilarious. It is one of those ones that that just always resonates with me, partially because I've started watching it from the perspective now that Buddy the Elf is autistic. And when you watch it through that lens, a lot of things start to make a lot more sense. Yeah. But you've also got just a star studded cast with Will Ferrell, James Caan, Zoe Deschanel, uh, Peter Dinklage makes an appearance in it. Um, it's just it's a it's a really great heartwarming movie. Ed Asner plays Santa Claus. I mean, it is such a, a fun movie to watch. And because it's got like all these personal ties to it, um, to me, it is one of my one of my favorite standalone films and probably one of my favorite holiday films right up there with like Miracle on 34th Street. It's a classic. I love Bob Newhart as his dad. Yeah, I forgot um, about Newhart. You're right. Such a great cast and really put John Favreau on the map, I think, as a director. Um it did. which continues to delight us in completely different but equally great ways. That is true. That is true. Um so you ready for my number five? I'm ready. Bring it on. All right. And I shouldn't I should mention, um, It's a Wonderful Life almost made it onto one of my lists. But it got it got it got beat out um, at some point. I somehow deleted it from my list, but it is up there on my list, but didn't make my number five. Um, my actual number five is another Jim Carrey movie, another serious Jim Carrey movie, The Truman Show. It's oh, a movie that yeah. I was recently introduced to. I'd heard about it all my life, didn't know what the heck was going on with this movie, watched it and blown away, like just excellent movie. Um, just the whole social commentary of it and the, the idea behind it being, you know, this guy raised in a bubble and his self-discovery behind it and the whole the layering of it. And I heard so many trivia about, you know, there's so much happening behind the scenes you don't notice. you got to watch it like multiple times to like get all the references and all the stuff that's happening, you know, just in camera. And, you know, it's you know also kind of a little bit of social commentary on, on our own little world and, and how – how weird things can be, and it's an incredible movie. And, and you know, Jim Carrey again shows his acting chops as someone who's not just this goofy, funny guy. He delivers. He's excellent, and it's a great movie that I can't want to watch again. 
So that, that is a really, really good choice. Um, the commentary in that film, like you said, is still pertinent today. Relevant, it, man. Still relevant. Still, still relevant. It would not surprise me if that ended up getting made into like a limited series or something. Like that is, that is some Black Mirror type of stuff that they've got involved <laughs> in there. Yeah, don't we're, we're talking about non franchises tonight. Yeah, any of these could be turned into franchises. It's kind of surprising that they haven't yet. Yeah, they talked about making an Elf sequel, and then Will Ferrell said no, and that kind of killed the whole thing. <laughs> but they they kind of wanted they kind of wanted to. Yeah, I can imagine. It, it, it was super popular, made a lot of money. But anyways, um, at number four for me, I'm going to be jumping around from like decade to decade. I'm not even kidding. Like, I think all of these movies are from different decades. Um, we're going to kick it all the way back to the 1960s with this one. My number four is The Sound of Music. Oh. I know it's based on a musical, like a Broadway production or something like that. But I I love the scenery. I love the storytelling. I love the acting. I love pretty much every musical sequence in this entire film is just like, it's like a banger. It's like a classic for musicals. And then Christopher Plummer and Julie Andrews, just a a knockout one-two punch uh, as far as the romantic tension that goes on throughout the entire course of the film. All seven of the supporting cast members who play the kids are fantastic. They all get a moment to shine. It's just, it's a great movie. It it tugs at the heartstrings. It makes commentary about the events that's going on in, in the European front during World War II. Um, there's just, there's a lot that goes on and it, it makes for one of the best musicals and, and one of the best movies that that tells a great story from start to finish it's great and it's funny i was frantically putting my list together the sound of music was on my list <laughs> it was like number three and it got kicked off wow <laughs> some other stuff wow so uh it's it's up there for me it would have if i'd remembered it <laughs> it would have been in my honorable mentions because i love that movie it's so great it's the music's great. The story is great. The fact that it is kind of based on semi a true story um, and, you know, just kind of the backdrop of, you know, European pre-war World War Two, which is great. So fun fact in the song that she sings, I have confidence where she's heading towards Captain Von Trapp's house. She's riding on a bus during part of that song sequence, right? Right. The old lady that's sitting in the row behind her is the actual Maria von Trapp. Oh, yeah, I think I remember this. She makes a very brief cameo in the movie as just one of the bus passengers while Julie Andrews is doing her song sequence. <laughs> that's incredible. That's a that's I love when they do that because uh yeah, it's so good. It's a very it's a very deep cut and it's a very blink and you miss it kind of thing, but she's in there. Right. All right. Um so my number four is one that's from another decade and another style and other things, but it's one that's been mentioned a couple times tonight. And it's definitely a movie that I watch just about yearly. And it usually we usually watch it on Groundhog Day. It is Groundhog Day. Oh, Don't worry. I thought it was Caddyshack. <laughs> hey, Caddyshack's no shade on Caddyshack. It's a good movie, too. But it ain't no Groundhog Day. All right. 
<laughs> um, and uh, it's oh man, I mean, it's 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 not just it's like hilarious movie, like it's genuinely like one of the funniest movies ever made, but it's also like the key stuck in this thing. He's stuck in there until he becomes a better person. Like that's the point of the movie is that he has to learn to be a decent person and care about other people in order to get out of the hell he's in. Like that's the point of the movie and it's great. And, you know, and just, just the whole concept of like the fact, the fact that groundhog day is now like a verb, like you get stuck in groundhog day. Like what would you do if you got stuck in groundhog day? Like, it's a whole thing now, and uh, the fact that they could never make a sequel because, like, I love the idea. It's just like, oh, we're gonna make a Groundhog sequel. We're just gonna play the movie again because <laughs> that's the way it works. Yeah. I have never seen Groundhog Day, unfortunately. You have never seen it? Never seen it. Oh my god. I have seen. Uh, yeah, you can go put me in the corner. That's fine. No, it's fine. Look, I, I'm not. I'm not putting any shade on you. Look, I'm, you you know how it is. There's, um, there's a lot of ones that I have shamed you of over the years. You can shame me on this one. <laughs> I well, you, I don't. You gotta, I don't Groundhog Day. You gotta just turn on the TV on Groundhog Day. You will see it. Yeah, for real. Just just go to go to Sci-Fi Channel or something. So yeah, it sh- it should be there. Um. <laughs> And I'll and I'll get around to it. I'm sure. It's just it's it's one of those ones that wasn't super high on my radar. And now that it's super high on your list, it's back on my radar. So. Um. And I will say for those of you who are like Zach who haven't seen it yet, or maybe you have seen it, you didn't catch this. Um. Take a look. Look out for a quick, young Michael Shannon cameo in Groundhog Day. Oh really? Yeah. Of all things. Okay, on to my number three, yeah? Yeah. Okay, I had to do some research to make sure that this movie wasn't a franchise <laughs> and that it didn't end up getting some sort of a sequel or a reboot or a spin-off or anything, and I confirmed that the answer was no, but it is so heavily gift and has so many memes and jokes about it has so many great lines. It's actually a small part of our BBQ Watch intro segment music. Oh. And I've only seen it once. This is the only movie in my list that I've only seen once, maybe twice. But the first time I saw it, all the way through from start to finish, I looked at it and was like, oh my god, I get the hype. I understand why it's so popular. This is an amazing movie, and it's a standalone. It doesn't have anything else attached to it, and it is, like, so incredibly worthy of all the praise and all of the Academy Awards that it's won, 1994's Forrest Gump. Oh, yep. I love this movie so much for the connectivity that it has to pop culture like elvis presley learning how to dance from a young forest like everything from that to the commentary it makes on the war to seeing how even the simplest of people can live the happiest of lives i mean it is it is just a amazing amazing film that is going to stand the test of time for years to come it's it's amazing. It's funny. I think 
I don't recall ever actually sitting down and watching this movie all the way through. I've seen bits and pieces of it. I think I've seen the whole movie just from going into Bubba Gump Shrimp Company. Yep, that'll do it. And they always have it playing <laughs> behind the bar <laughs> on yeah. the TVs. It's yeah. always playing. So I'm like, every time I go in there, which I've been there quite a few times, and it's always playing. So you're like catching different parts of it. So I'm like, I feel like I've seen the whole movie, um, and it's brilliant. Um, but I've never, never, I need to like sit down and properly watch it. But like, it's it's a classic, man. And and it and it's so good because you know it get it. it there's so many subtle things in it, like all the CGI with you know him being inserted in, in with John F. Kennedy and stuff like that. You know, yep. it, it. I think it maybe even won some Oscars for that. But you know, the fact is, it's just. You know, it's Tom Hanks and it's Robert Zemeckis at their finest. It's it's vaulted up in there for me, obviously. Yep. Yep. And uh, but uh, I've got a number three that is just I don't know if it's on the opposite end of the spectrum, but it's definitely different, maybe a similar era. But uh, it's one that you mentioned David Spade earlier. I'm like, oh, I have to mention one of my favorite David Spade movies of all time and also features. (laughs) Look, I would have mentioned if it wasn't Disney. Okay, that's Um, also this is so it's got a sequel, too. That's true. That's true. So I couldn't do Emperor's New Groove, but I could do this one that he has with the late great. Chris Farley, one of the best movies the two of them in, not the only movie they're in, um, but a movie that was underappreciated when it was released. Um, that's the story behind this movie is that it really didn't do very well at the box office, but ended up becoming a cult classic. And it's one of my family's favorite movies ever. It's Tommy Boy. Um, and just, again, one of the most hilarious movies of all time. Um, just a banger of a movie. And also kind of heartfelt, kind of it's got a heart to it. It's not uh, it's very, I guess you could say kind of Guardians of the Galaxy in a way. It's got a really funny, you know, compelling, but a compelling story um, and some compelling characters. And, you know, but Chris Farley is, is at his most Chris Farleyist. David Spade is at his most David Spadeist, And uh, they're both excellent. And, uh, yeah, it's great. Sounds great. And I'm getting a lot of really great recommendations from people from all of these different lists we've been submitting. Before I forget, thank you to everybody that sent in lists in time. Yeah. Glad we got the prompt out to you guys because now I'm going to need to check out uh, Groundhog Day, Tommy Boy, and Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind because you guys are giving some really great recommendations. That's what this is all about. You know, we're either, you know, shame. No, there's no sense in shaming each other for what we haven't seen. Just uh, just making a list of what we're going to watch afterwards. Yep, pretty much. All right. On to my penultimate, my silver medal. And this one was kind of alternating back and forth um, between the one and the two spot. And I eventually decided on number two begrudgingly. Um, <laughs> and, and, and again, flip-flopping back and forth, back and forth, finally landed at number two, and I I don't... Uh, I don't know how I feel about this. Um, at the two spot, I mentioned that there was a movie that was even older than the one that you had discussed earlier with Arsenic and Old Lace. That movie came out in the 40s. This movie came out in 1933. 
And much like Tommy Boy, it was panned at the box office and then eventually got um, reviewed by like film and theater critics and, and history like uh, film history and theater histories um, people as what could be considered a master class of comedy. Mm. It, it has everything from from wit to slapstick to classic tropes that ended up um, reverberating through different comedy programs for decades to come afterwards. Um, this is technically a standalone movie, even though it's part of what you would consider maybe, maybe a franchise. And this is where it's going to get possibly debated. This is a movie by a group of brothers. The Marx Brothers. Oh, my God. And they made several movies as a foursome, and then one of them dropped off, and it became a group of three. And this is the last movie that the four brothers made together before the fourth one stopped his acting career. And it's called Duck Soup. I feel like I've heard of this. It has nothing to do with ducks or soup. <laughs> Naturally. There's absolutely nothing to do with it. It's about a, a country that is in financial turmoil, and you bring in the utterly sarcastic and completely clueless Groucho Marx to rule the country. And eventually other members of the Marx Brothers end up joining his cabinet, and they basically run the country into the ground and run it into war with a neighboring country. Oh, my God. And what's really weird is the synopsis I just gave sounds absolutely like, you know, it, it sounds horrible. It sounds like it could be a, a Debbie Downer of a film, very dark and, and, you know, deadly and whatever. No, it is easily the funniest 70 odd minutes I have ever watched in my life. Oh, my God. Every scene, literally every scene has something in it for you to laugh at. And it, it's just unreal how a black and white film from the 30s can still make you laugh and my family watches it all the time <clears throat> excuse me excuse oh, me gosh I, I told you my allergies were acting up on me they're finally catching up to me it's a sign i need to go to bed probably um but my family watches it several times a year and I've got it and several other Marx Brothers movies in my collection. Call me, uh, you know, an old soul or what have you. But the Marx Brothers were able to accomplish things back in the 30s and 40s that film today still can't accomplish. And I think it is perfectly encapsulated in their film Duck Soup. So that's my that's my second favorite. It's funny. I was going down the list. I was just researching trying to i just ended up going on a list that of best movies ever like literally the best movies ever made and duck soup was on at least one if not two or three of those lists it's it's fantastic it's absolutely mm. worth the watch if you can find it on a streamer it might be on tubi or something but if you can find it on a streamer absolutely watch it and see my dad loves the marx brothers I'm assuming he's seen it, but maybe he hasn't. So now I'm gonna be like, okay, we gotta watch this. You def, you definitely do. And then 
write me as soon as you're done watching it. Tell me like oh. if if your if your gut hurts from laughing so much. I cannot wait. This is gonna be great. Okay, movie nights. It is is already decided now. Thank you for that. Um, so I told you earlier that I had another Cary Grant movie on my list. Um, and the number two spot fills that. Um, I feel like you can probably guess this one. Um, it is got to be his most famous role. It's just one of those movies that if you if you have never seen it, you've still seen scenes in this movie. You still know it. You still kind of know imagery from it. So you've seen clips from it in visual effects documentaries or whatever else, um, things about movies or whatever else. It is North by Northwest. Um, crazy good movie. Um, and just a thrill ride. It's obviously a Hitchcock movie, which, you know, th- those speak for themselves, one of his best. And, you know, it's just a thrill ride. And, and, you know, it ends with them freaking climbing down <laughs> Mount Rushmore. Like, that's the climax of the movie. Um, and as someone who has been to Mount Rushmore multiple times, it's really cool to go there and go like, I didn't know where they were. Um, but, uh, fun fact about this movie, um, all the Matt Rushmore scenes um, were not filmed on Matt Rushmore. They were not allowed to film in there. So all the stuff that you see is done with some crazy film trickery, um, which was done back in, you know, this is the 60s or whatever that film was made. Um, but if you haven't seen it, it's great. It's a thriller. It's, you know, it's classic Hitchcock, classic Cary Grant. Um, and it's it's one of my favorite movies of all time. Oh, your second favorite among these ones here, at the very, very least. But there's one more. But there's still one more to go. And I really wow. need to do it because now I actually do feel, like, tiredness catching on. And I feel really bad because this is, like, this is my this is my number one. I need to be hyped up about it, but I just can't because I got to work. Well, I mean, it's after midnight. Come on, guys. Give us a break. It's not Friday. It's not Saturday. I still have to work tomorrow, so I'm I'm not going to give as big a description on this movie as I wanted to, but I I do feel like this is far and away the best standalone by itself film that I have ever watched, and I am truly embarrassed that I didn't go watch this movie in the theater when it came out because it is again. One of those ones that is absolutely deserving of every award that it won, including Best Picture in 2017, and that is The Shape of Water. Oh, yeah. I know that Guillermo del Toro, I I did some research on this beforehand. I know that he was heavily inspired by a 1954 film called Creature from the Black Lagoon, but as it stands, the movie itself, The Shape of Water, is not connected to anything. It's not really a reboot of anything. There hasn't been a sequel made since. It is its own independent film, and it is amazing. The the timepiece aspect, the costuming, the sets, the blending of history and sci-fi, the the way that it finished. It's just it's it is a captivating movie in every sense of the word. And I I loved my first experience watching it. And I and I simply cannot wait to watch it again. It is such a great 
great, great movie. And I wish I could do my full spiel on it, but I'm simply running out of energy and <laughs> and like words that my throat can produce. So I'm not going to go as lengthy on it as I wanted to. But contest it all you want. It's my list, damn it. And at the top of it is The Shape of Water. I will do no such contesting. I think it's a great list and a great number one selection and another one that I'm like, I got to watch that. I got to watch that. That's really good. I've heard you talk about the movie a lot. And so, uh, yeah, um, another recommendation to throw in the pile. Um, and uh, yeah, and I love that we were all over the place, different eras, different genres with our lists. But both of our number ones ended up being newer films, like pretty new films. Yours was from 2017. Mine is from 2019. Very recent. Um, I think it was one of probably the last movies I saw in a theater <laughs> um, before everything went down after that. Um, but uh, yeah, 1917 is a movie that blew me away. Um, and it's, it's it, obviously the novelty of that movie is it's this war movie filmed as one shot, obviously stitched together with CGI, but it's all in real time. There is one cut in the entire movie. The rest of it is continuous shot. And it's incredible piece of filmmaking for that. But that's not why it's great. Okay, that's just kind of a an, a cherry on top to this incredible, visceral, very, very emotional and very just like really raw look at war. There's some messed up stuff in this movie. There's some things that that gross you out. There's some things that scare you. There's some things that make you cry because um, I definitely did. Um, it's incredible. It's an incredible piece of movie. Um, one of the, I think one of the best movies ever made, to be honest, definitely one of my favorite movies that I've ever seen. And it's one that you got to watch it. You have to watch this movie. It's just an, just ingenious, absolutely ingenious. And also a brilliant piece of cinema that also puts a spotlight on, you know, a, a point in time, but also, a struggle for literally anyone. It's about two soldiers in a war. It's and it's very visceral and very down to earth and tells their story in a way that's uh, very real and it needs to be told. So I highly recommend it if you haven't watched it. Um, but that is my number one. There's a lot of war films that I need to add to my watch list and add to my repertoire 1917 is a part of that saving private ryan was recommended several times over i also need to watch the movie pearl harbor i've heard a lot of really good things about that one as well yeah me too so there's there's a lot of of war type flicks out there that are are definitely ones that i am adding to my watch list i took so many notes on a notepad tonight and i'm like trying to find all these different places to scribble stuff in because I've got stuff from your list that I need to pull from and try to watch. I've got those war movies I need to try to watch. I wrote down Ransom's recommendation about Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Um, there's there's so many things from these lists tonight that have helped me come up with stuff that I need to try to watch for myself. 
uh, moving forward. So uh, thank you again to everyone who sent in these lists and thank you for riding this storm with us for the last two plus hours. Uh, I know this was kind of a long episode and it was it was a fun ride, but I'm about to go to bed now. So, well, I was going to say, why don't we just wrap this up right now? OK, well, I'll just go through the plugs really quick and then you can go to bed. <laughs> I, I will take you up on that. Thank you. OK, so, um, guys, if you don't already know, you can follow us at ipc podcast on social media you can follow myself personally at ben hart with no e literally just spell it out it's there you can follow zach at zach the voice on social media you can find our what's that that's really ironic zach the <laughs> voice is giving out <laughs> hey i mean it's it's not uh yeah, the voice only goes for so far, unfortunately. Um, but uh, we push you to your limit today. Um, I feel bad because I'm the one that pushed us so late starting, so it's kind of my fault. So I feel responsible for this. Um, but so that's why I'm picking up. The, I'm trying to pick up the, the slack here. And uh, yeah, um, f- go find our audio episodes at uh, ipcpodcast.podbean. Dot com. Our episodes are still over there. Um, you can find every single one of them. Um, we are still in process. We're, I'm, I'm a bit behind on editing. Uh, I promise um, this episode and the previous episode will be up uh, very, very soon for you guys to listen. Um, and as I said, uh, facebook.com slash group slash IPC podcast is where you can find the Intergalactic Peace Hangout. That's kind of our hub. That's where everyone hangs out. That's where we put the top five prompts in so you can uh, keep up with that and have your voice be heard. You can uh, uh, hit us up on Patreon still. We are still there. Um, and you're going to support us. Put a few bucks in a month to get some awesome uh, extras and prizes and whatever else. And, and we got a merch too, I think. Um, my brain is giving out. Your voice is giving out. My brain is giving out all oh, yeah. around. It's just kind of a, a crap show tonight. Um, no, 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 no. We, we had a really fun episode. We talked about a lot of stuff. It's just time to put this show and ourselves to bed. So We know our limits, okay? We know – when we're done, okay? And this is the moment. This is the moment where we're just going to say, okay, it's time. We've talked enough. You guys are tired of hearing us. We're tired of hearing ourselves. So let's just call it a night. <laughs> let's do that. Thanks so much, everybody, for tuning into this 356th episode Woo. of the Galactic Peace Coalition. Happy November. Happy Thanksgiving. We'll see you all next month. For Ben. I'm Zach. I'm going to go slide into bed now, and we will see you all next time. Until then, good night, everyone. Good night. Good night.